The Underworld has fantasy football consultants standing by to help you win your fantasy draft and win your league. Go to our fantasy tools and click Hire an Expert to learn more about the Fantasy Intelligence Network. This is the decision point with Anand Nanduri. And Anand, it's the AFC West time. We've got to dig into the AFC West. We've done some incredible research. And by incredible, I mean we threw together a few notes before the show. <laughs> the usual. No, we, we have a lot of deep research on the AFC West. Let's start at the bottom, work our way up. Okay. We're on Caesars Sportsbook, promo code PODFATHER15, because you get... $1,500 of first bet insurance when you use Caesars. And uh, soon the people of Kansas are going to be open and able to to uh, participate in sports betting. Congratulations to Kansas. We'll talk about Kansas City after we talk about the Las Vegas Raiders. And this is a very interesting team. Almost every team in this division improved, right? You can't say that about Kansas City because they lost Tyree Kill, but they had a bunch of draft picks and they they got great value with the draft picks. But Las Vegas, Los Angeles, especially Denver with Russell Wilson, all got better. This is the super division. This is the division that I am most exposed to in fantasy football by far and away. <laughs> yeah. When you go to Underdog and you look at your exposures, the cool thing about Underdog is and promo code Underworld on Underdog gets you a $100 instant deposit match. And what I love about Underdog, you got to go to the My Account section and you pull up exposures. And you can see the percentage that you have rostered across all your teams. And if you're like me and you have you know over 100 teams on Underdog, because I'm drafting on Underdog all the time, it's just, I love it. <laughs> and it's interesting to see who you have the most exposure to. And... I don't think it's a big deal to have huge exposure. And and Billy and I have talked about this on the Dominator show. He's okay having absolutely irresponsible levels of exposure to certain late-round picks that he loves, that he believes in, like DJ Shark. We talked about that on the Dominator yep. show. For me, it's Albert Akuigbunam. Albert Akuigbunam, who we'll talk about in a few minutes, is my go-to on platforms like Underdog because you need to draft at least two tight ends, and he is the least expensive tight end that I know is going to be commanding a 90-plus percent snap share, is going to be involved in the red zone offense, and is going to provide a nice floor with top five tight end ceiling because he has oh, a 99th percentile speed score, and he can win down the seam with air yards, and he can break tackles. And he was essentially a more efficient version of Noah Fant the last few years. So Denver decided that they didn't necessarily need Noah Fant. They'd rather have, oh, uh, mm, uh, uh, Russell Wilson. So they did that. <laughs> and on Underdog, I can see, oh, I am heavily exposed, overexposed to Albert Akuigbunam. And that is okay. That yep. is okay. Now, do I want to be more than 50% exposed? No, because an injury to Albert Akuigbunam then, you know, disproportionately nukes 
so many of my teams. The pro- the, the the issue is, or the 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 thing that you got to realize is, your team is not going to live or die on your second tight end. No, that's the point. Is that you can be forty you percent know, exposed to Albert Okwikbunim, and it's okay. It's okay because if something does happen to him, if he does tear an ACL, it's not going to necessarily stop you from winning your league or advancing. It's there every team. When you go back and you look at teams that won Best Ball Mania on Underdog, for example, it's not like they had a 100% hit rate on their players. No, no. of course, they're suffering no. injuries. You have 15-plus players on these rosters. There's going to be some players that missed half the season with injury, and yet because of the team structure and because hit on certain players at certain times, the team goes on and wins all the money. So you don't need to be as concerned about exposures if you think that the market is simply inefficient on a player like Albert Akuigbunim on a platform like Underdog, where you're volume drafting best ball teams. Feel free to go in on a running back like Kenny Gainwell, a wide receiver like DJ Shark, a tight end like Albert Akuigbunim, Promo code UNDERWORLD gets you a $100 instant deposit match, and Best Ball Mania 3 is happening right now, and uh, it's going to fill before you know it. So you got to get on there and start drafting. I do need to go draft my team, too. we got to start with the Raiders, because they have the lowest total on Caesars, but it's not that low. No. Right? So you, you look at the Raiders, they're plus 3,000, right? Plus 3,000 to win the Super Bowl. What do you think of those odds to start? It's. I mean, it's interesting. You think that they're thirty to one to win the Super Bowl, and their win totals are not far off from the teams that lead their division in win totals, and they're not that far off from teams that we've seen make that run before. But if you're going to dive into this whole roster, and obviously they added superstars, you know, in in Devonte Adams, we know what he can do. That's. There's no questioning. Devonte Adams' ability at this point. The only question that I have about this roster, which I think is the weakest u- individual unit in the division, is the Raiders' offensive line. And last year and two years ago, they were a very good unit, and it's just been a diaspora from there at that point. I mean, I don't think there's a single... There might be one offensive lineman left from that 2020 Raiders team. But Alex Leatherwood, Andre James, Jermaine Eluemanor... Colton Miller, Lester Cotton is okay, but it's the only group in this mm. in this division that's just the ceiling is just okay, right? Let's go back in the time machine when the Podfather was scolding. I mean, scathingly scolding, scathingly scolding on and Mike Mayock, John Gruden at the time Tuh. for drafting Henry Ruggs over Tristan Wirfs. Oh God! And the rationale was, oh well, they have an embarrassment of riches. At the offensive line, it's one of the deepest, most talented offensive lines in the sport. They ha- they don't have any needs on the offensive line. The, the offensive line is a position of strength for them. They need wide receiver, right? That was a need-based pick. They need yep. a field stretcher instead of just the best player available, an anchor for the next 10 years on your offensive line that's going to shift everybody over one position and make everybody more effective. That is the ultimate case in the last 10 years of a team drafting based on need instead of just picking the best player available 
and just the difference between the quality of football player, and this was at the time, this is not in hindsight now knowing that Ruggs is out of the league and, and he's experienced tragedy of his own making, but at the time, it was clear. Like, if you just think about football players, right, relative to their position, what Ruggs was versus what Werfs was wasn't even comparable. No. But this no. is what happens when teams start drafting based on need. They they miss the forest for the trees. And they start thinking about, oh, I need to fit certain chess pieces together in order to make a certain formation instead of just saying, oh, no, the foundation of our team is what's critical here. And we talked about this in the first round. We talked about Kayvon Thibodeau slipping yep. in the draft. It's like, no, please, right? There, there's no reason for you to go anywhere other than edge rusher or left tackle early in the draft in 2022. We talked about that in Vegas because that you just want to have the most solid foundation for the future. And then you can build these ancillary perimeter players on top of it. And so that was the perfect example of a team doing everything wrong. And then the result, clearly, <laughs> the yeah. result has come back. And it is one of the worst picks uh, in, in, in the recent memory in the NFL draft. But we, we saw that coming. And now you look up and it's 2022. It's just two years later. What's so startling is it's two years later and we are going down this depth chart going, oh, this offensive line is their critical weakness. This is their Achilles heel. Yeah. I mean, okay, you look, they added a superstar on the offensive side in Adams. They added a superstar on the defensive side in Chandler Jones. Like, look, this team has the potential to be really, 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 really good. The concern is Josh McDaniels, while he was in New England, had Dante Skarniecki coach up all of these young offensive linemen. They were able to get rid of guys as they aged out. They were able to bring in guys and get them to their ceilings immediately. He is going to find out very quickly that not having that resource in Vegas is going to be a problem, especially when you have to deal with the edge rusher combos that are coming at you in the AFC West. Godspeed. Good luck. I can't Good believe luck. the edge rusher combos in this division. Look at the Raiders. Max Crosby on one side, Chandler Jones, the perennial sack leader on the other. Yeah. I mean, if your if your tackles aren't great and if your if your guards and tackles aren't great in this division, good luck. Good luck. You need to be so deep and so talent rich across your roster to have a yeah. chance in this division. Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro at wide receiver. But look beyond that. It's who is it? Keelan Cole. Yep. Mac Hollins. This is why Hunter Renfro is such a smash in the say the sixth round of fantasy drafts. I love Hunter Renfro. I think Hunter Renfro has upside. Yeah. And and I think that a lot of the the dirty work, quote unquote, that he was asked to do last year, Devontae Adams is going to do for him. Right? Like Devontae Adams is going to make everyone's job in this offense so much easier. Waller's going to get higher quality targets. Renfro's going to get higher quality targets. Jacobs is going to get a little more room to run. Like this, everybody benefits. But the problem is the O line is the question mark now instead of the position of strength that allowed you to go acquire all of these ancillary pieces. So now the question that we have very simply is can they hold up against Joey Bosa? Against you know, Bradley Chubb. Can they hold up against 
against defensive tackles and edge rushers and outside line black backers that are blitzing? I don't know. We have no idea. Their their entire offensive line is turned over in two years. So we're sitting here wondering, is this going to be what sinks the ship? And I think it might be. Yeah, I think this is why they're not near the top of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. I think if they had a great offensive line, they would be right there with the Chargers, right there with the Chiefs. And when I look at the Chiefs' odds, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, you can't you can't take the Chiefs at what is it plus eleven hundred? I would at least rather have the Raiders if yeah. for whatever like because it's possible. It's possible they find diamonds in the rough at guard, right? And they, they stitch yeah. it together. That Colton Miller is an above average left tackle, and they figure out ways to stitch together an interior offensive line that's effective. Yep. If they can do that and they go on a run and this offense gels, we, we think, think it's going to, that's a much better value at plus 3,000 than Denver at plus 1,600. That's fine, right? Chargers plus 1,500, also good. Right, I like that bet. Uh, Chiefs at plus eleven hundred. That's just that's just Mahomes and Andy Reid name recognition. That's all that is. That's not based on personnel. When you actually break down the position units, go across these teams in the AFC West. When we get to the Chiefs, and we will, I don't think we're going to be that impressed. I don't think we're going to. I don't think we're going to be as, as impressed as we are even with the Raiders. Like Hunter Renfro, again, a hundred plus catches last year. Yeah. Right, his yards per reception is always going to be low. It's always going to be sub twelve, right? Twelve zero or or below. Yeah, he had an inordinate number of. T- he's not going to have nine touchdowns. Like that, that was an aberrant touchdown season for him. But I was at the FFWC last night. I drafted. I had the best. Oh, just the best team I've had thus far. It was Billy approved. Billy approved my roster. Good. Uh, FFWC, check it out. My FFWC promo code Podfather and jump in one of these player profiler championships drafts, it was the sixth round, and it was coming back around to me, and Renfro was there, and I was like, oh, someone's going to grab him, his ADP is up next, someone's going to grab him, and then you know, a couple picks before I was going to select, Hunter Renfro went off the board, and I was like, I couldn't believe it. I, I, I was like, wait a second, am I, am I devastated? Am I devastated that I didn't get Hunter Renfro? Is that really a thing? Because... He could blast past, way past 100 catches in the event of a Devontae Adams injury, but it doesn't even matter. You don't need a Devontae Adams or or a Darren Waller or Devontae Adams is going to get injured and miss some time this year. And in those games, Hunter Renfro is going to get 10-plus targets. But even in the games that they all three play, because there's going to be shootout after shootout after shootout, there's going to be plenty of targets. It's consolidated. Who's the number three? We just said they have like the worst... Number three in the league. I can't, most people can't even name their number three receiver. So irrelevant now that they've traded Brian Edwards to the Falcons. And look who their running backs are. It's Josh Jacobs, not a slick pass catcher. Zamir White was not used in the passing game. Kenyon Drake, not a strong pass catcher, also now injured again. So it looks like the running backs they're going to be using in Las Vegas are hammerbacks. And because of that, the targets will consolidate around Adams, Waller, Renfro, Renfro, Adams, Waller, Waller, Renfro, Adams. That's why I'm smashing Adams. The moment Diggs is off the board, I'm smashing Adams in the first round. Luckily, in this FFPC draft, eh, I went Diggs 
with pick six. I was hoping one of the the big five. Right? I was hoping either Taylor yeah. McCaffrey, Cup, Jefferson, or Chase would somehow slip to me at six. Didn't happen. Fine, yep. because I believe Diggs belongs in that class of wide receiver anyway. And the last five years, Devontae Adams has been number one in receptions, in receiving yards, in receiving touchdowns. And now he has this old college quarterback who is going to be near the league leaders in pass attempts. Yep. Because their offensive line is not going to be able to open wide running lanes. So there's going to be a real disincentive on multiple levels with the offensive line and the schedule. This team is going to be highly incentivized to pass and pass with pace. That's why we're so excited about drafting Derek Carr late, stacking him with Adams, and stacking him with Adams and Renfro, or Renfro and Waller. And Waller, man, Waller's also, he's just, he's, he's, uh, my issue with Waller is I have a hard time getting him, but he did slip in this, I mean, it's crazy, in this FFWC draft, he slipped to the seventh round. He slipped to the seventh round. I drafted Tony Pollard over Darren Waller. That's the thing. There's too many Rashad Batemans and Tony Pollards out there for me to justify drafting Darren Waller. It's a a great example of a player I like, but I'm just not getting any of him. And especially in these single quarterback managed leagues, Billy has basically drilled it into my head that you need to wait on tight end, wait on tight end, wait on tight end. Last night in this FFWC draft, I waited all the way until the very end, and I took Hayden Hurst as my only tight end. I missed on a Kuwik Bonham. Uh, right, but that's because it's not best ball. It's no. not underdog. FFWC is not underdog, right? With it, underdog draft, Alberto's my second tight end, and I'm closing it out. Right, I'm yep. drafting a Schultz and and a an Alberto or a Goddard and an Alberto, Hawkinson and Alberto, FFWC. I'm waiting, 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 waiting. If a tight end just craters. And slips, you know, a round or two to me, like Waller might have. Then I'll I'll draft him. Okay, fine, right? If right. Pollard wasn't available, I would have been tempted to go Waller there because I love this team. I love it when there's a high volume offense where you know it's just these three receivers are going to hog all the targets, and all three of them are underrated for different reasons. Yeah, and I think the the really interesting thing about having any of the three of them for fantasy purposes is imagine telling someone that Devontae Adams is now going in round two of some drafts. Like that that's insane. The prospect of telling anybody that is insane. And the reason he you're getting him at a discount is because he switched teams. Okay, so you wonder will he find chemistry with his new quarterback? Well, they were roommates in college. So what are we worried about? Right. right. They're, they're going to target him heavily in the red zone as they did in Green Bay. This is going to be a much faster offense, much faster paced. Yeah. More pass attempts, many more pass attempts than Green Bay. Right. So it is conceivable that his target share goes down. His target numbers stay the same. That's why I'm drafting him with confidence in the mid first round. And I think the other thing about it, too, right, is Green Bay really didn't have a number two or a number three to support him. And so... People were able to roll coverage to his side. You can't do that when you have Waller and Renfro there, right? Like, yes, in theory, his target share may drop, right? The number of targets won't. And you could argue that the targets themselves are more valuable targets than when you're the only threat to to catch the ball on an entire offense. Like, 
the fact that he's gone down into round two is insane. It, I, it makes no sense to me. Auto smash, like you said, after digs, like that I don't even think that's really much of a question. At at that point, if he's there, you take him. And Zamir White was one of the most decorated high school running back prospects, goes to Georgia, tears his ACL, comes back, and then in 2020, 2020 has 800 yards rushing and 11 touchdowns. Now, he's not catching a lot of passes, but you looked at what happened in preseason. It was shocking to see, wait a second, uh, Josh Jacobs is the only starter playing? Why is Josh Jacobs out there? Everyone was losing their mind on Twitter. Josh Jacobs is playing in the first preseason game, the Hall of Fame game. There's veteran deference. You don't have to play in that game if you're an established veteran that the team trusts. Well, maybe, maybe there's a new coach. Maybe there's no loyalty to Josh Jacobs. And they're evaluating who their best running back is. And Zamir White, because you have player profiler and you can see that Zamir White runs a 4-4 flat which is leaps and bounds faster, more explosive than Josh Jacobs. So if I'm a coach, I'm giving the ball to Zamir White. I'm starting Zamir White. On day one, week one, Zamir White's my starter. Because when I hand Zamir White the football, there's a higher probability he breaks away for a touchdown. If I'm going to do the inefficient thing, running the ball, if I'm going to run the football, establish the run, then at least give me a chance for a breakaway touchdown. That would be my attitude as an NFL coach, and that's why Zamir White, you know, he only had three years at Georgia, comes out, age 22, and got drafted in the mid-fourth round, which for running back now, with so few running backs going in day one or day two, that was still quality draft capital, and you're starting to see him rise up boards quickly. As soon as you saw him outperform Josh Jacobs, and Josh Jacobs be out there at all. Yeah, for the first preseason game, suddenly it's like, oh, wait, this is a competition. Oh, Zamir White is in play. Yeah. How could you draft Josh Jacobs right now over Zamir White given their ADP? Their ADP is going to have to converge a lot more dramatically than it has yet in order to convince me to draft Josh Jacobs at all. I don't draft players like Josh Jacobs. I don't either. If they get inexpensive enough, I will consider it. I was almost considering in this FFWC draft. I was considering David Montgomery because he was falling rounds. I was like, oh, my God. But I was like, no, I'm going hero RB, hero RB. I'm just say no to, to running backs like David Montgomery. Just say no to running backs like Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, very, very, very similar players. Yeah. And Zamir White is a different guy. He has the tackle-breaking ability. We saw it at Georgia. And he has the breakaway speed. And... I don't think that his receiving skills are that much worse than Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs only had a handful of catches at Alabama. Damian Harris, who hasn't been catching any passes at the NFL level, was catching more passes per game at Alabama when he was sharing a backfield with Josh Jacobs. So, you know, permission granted to completely fade Josh Jacobs and jump to conclusions about what you saw, that there's potentially a competition for that number one back role and start hoarding as much Zamir White in the double digit rounds as you possibly can. Yeah. Love him. Love him at ADP too. I mean, obviously yeah. that's going to, it's going to skyrocket. They're going to score a lot of touchdowns, right? This yeah. is one of those teams that we're projecting to be top 10 in the league in touchdowns. Yep. So this is the type of run you want the running backs, especially the inexpensive running backs on the teams we think are going to score a lot of touchdowns. That takes me to Ronald Jones. 
right? So I also drafted Ronald Jones in this FFWC draft. Where did I draft Ronald Jones? Uh, very late. Very late. Pick 139, okay? So we were well into the double-digit rounds. Ronald Jones was hanging around, hanging around, just hanging around, right? So to put this in context, Daryl Williams went the pick after Ronald Jones. Pacheco Oof. went before Ronald Jones. Wow. And I'm like, okay, Ronald Jones was a second-round pick, an early second-round pick, and he's shown himself to be an efficient runner between the tackles, and he is the only player I could envision them feeding in the red zone. This is another team that's going to score a lot of touchdowns. We know that about the Chiefs. Whether they win a lot of games is a completely different story, <laughs> yeah. given their schedule. Yeah. But they're going to score a lot of touchdowns. So who is inexpensive and has a relatively smooth path to scoring a lot of touchdowns this year? Zamir White in this division and Ronald Jones in this division. What do you think of that backfield in Kansas City? I, I mean, we know what CEH is, and it's not good. So, I mean, the reason that you're hearing so much noise about Pacheco and Camp is because they've got to distract people from the the blown first round pick that is Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Which, to me, we've we've talked about this. I do not understand what happened to him because the guy that we saw at LSU and the guy that put on a Kansas City Chiefs uniform cannot possibly be the same player. I mean, it's it's actively unbelievable. If you go back and you, uh, there's an interview that Joe Burrow did after winning the national championship game where he says out loud that the best athlete he's ever played with, and you got to remember, he played at Ohio State with a bunch of people that won a national championship. He played at LSU with a bunch of guys that won a national championship. His verbatim words were Clyde Edwards Hilaire is the best athlete I have ever been around. And for that guy to blow up in their face 132 that badly they've got to distract from that and I think you touched on something with Jones earlier that I really like right it's, it's why people like the pendulum will swing super far one way and leave the RB2 in an offense at such a value that you're sitting there going okay well one injury to Edwards Alaire and suddenly Ronald Jones is every week startable um, in in any kind of best ball format in any kind of season-long format Jones is an injury away from, you know, giving you RB2 production likely week after week. Yeah, touchdown-based production, but yes. Yeah. Yes, low-end RB2 with touchdowns and yards. Yeah, and the thing with Pacheco is we don't know what he is yet. Like, we'll, we'll figure that out, but we know what Ronald Jones is. You're drafting a very stable asset that has a very clear path to touchdowns, like we were talking about earlier. But th for me, if we're looking at, if we're, you know, removing the fantasy context and going to real life, the thing that concerns me about Kansas City is not their pass catchers. It's their schedule. I mean, like, this, this is one of the worst schedules I've ever seen. Like, you start out at Arizona, the Chargers— at the Colts, at the Bucks, Raiders at home, Bills at home, at the Niners, and that's just before you get to week eight in the bye week. You have games at Arizona, at Indy, at Tampa, at San Francisco, and your home games are the superstar-laden Chargers, the Raiders, who if they can figure out the offensive line are going to be terrifying, and oh, the Super Bowl favorite Buffalo Bills. This is before you get to your bye week. Like... The, the thing that concerns me for Kansas City is they're going to have to figure out all the targets that Tyreek Hill left, right? They're well, going to have th to... Th that, that is an interesting point. I am seeing some overcompensating, some overcompensating on 
Chiefs Twitter. Yeah. It seems like every day they're hyping another catch by it was Marquez Valdez Scantling during minicamp, and now it's Sky Moore and Juju Smith Schuster. And like, oh, Patrick Mahomes is so happy with his new receiving core. You know, showing it some play made by Miko Hardman in practice that doesn't translate to actual games. And it's like, no, 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 no. Stop lying. I think you're lying to yourself, first and foremost. Stop lying to yourself. Patrick Mahomes is not happy about this. No. Patrick Mahomes lost Tyreek Hill. That is a, you can't just tweet your way out of it, Kansas City. No. And the the thing is, the really strange part is that for years, our biggest question about Kansas City was the same question that we had about Green Bay. Who is your second wide receiver? Because they had Kelsey, which obviously he functions a lot like like a receiver for some of the things that they do. But at the same time, there was no wide receiver two in Kansas City. And so they decided to try and replace a number one with a bunch of twos and threes. Like this historically has not worked. Not long term, right? You can get the stats out of it. Rodgers, for years, whenever Adams would go down, would get the stats out of Lazard and Valdez Scantling and all of these other guys. But you're not winning anything with those guys, right? And that's what we're talking about here. In a fantasy football context, Mahomes is going to be fine. One of these receivers is going to have a pretty good year. It'll be whatever. Kelsey is obviously the guy that you want to target, just given the fact that he's going to be funneled every target they possibly can. The concern for me is, one, the schedule is terrible. Holy God, that's a gauntlet. But on top of that, right, now you're adding more to Mahomes' plate. And, yes, he's superhuman. He's capable of dragging them borderline to a title. But, like, you can't ask him to do that every single week to keep you afloat. And it might be what it takes, given what they have around him. It's not a sure thing that he even leads them to the playoffs. No. It's not a sure thing. Given this no. division, it is not a sure thing at all. They were top 10 in drop passes last year. They were league bottom in target separation. And that's with Tyreek Hill, right? I mean, the problem is if you have a fantasy asset like Patrick Mahomes, let's say in Dynasty, you need them to find an alpha receiver to make sure that he's continuing to produce at the level that his brand equity suggests he should. Right. Right. So a guy like Patrick Mahomes, yeah, 8.1 accuracy rating last year was number one in the NFL. The guy dials it in like he is the most accurate quarterback in the game. Like It's clear we have an accuracy rating that, that rates the placement of every football on a one to ten scale. Patrick Mahomes, the best. Right. Yep. For fantasy, we need him to run the ball more. Right, yeah. 66 carries last year was actually top 10 in the league, but only 3.9 per game. You'd like him to start running at least five times a game. He had 15 red zone carries, but only two rushing touchdowns. So typically, if you have 15 red zone carries and only two rushing touchdowns, that's going to revert the next year. Right. And you're going to see some regression. He ran for close to 400 yards. I'd love for him to get over 400 yards. If he can get over 400 yards... And four plus touchdowns, let's say five to four hundred yards and five touchdowns. And it makes sense, right? If they don't have an alpha back, then they're going to turn to Patrick Mahomes to run the ball in more in the red zone. So yeah. that is actually the thing that few people talk about that I think is one of the more, most important uh, aspects of projecting 
quarterbacks is building in the touchdown regression. Like if we're building in the touchdown regression for Ryan Tannehill, right? They're like, okay, he can't rush for seven touchdowns again. That was an, that was an anomaly. But look at the environment that Patrick Mahomes is going to be in. You can see him rushing for seven touchdowns easily. Yeah. And that's how he could pay off in fantasy. He's not going to pay off unless he gets the rushing production. That's what's going to hinge it. And the arbitrage play is Dak versus Patrick Mahomes. They are very similar players. They're both hugely accurate. They both run at a similar rate, similar uh, touchdowns per season. Right. Uh, But you could argue that Mahomes is likely to score more rushing touchdowns because there's far less running back talent in Kansas City than there is in Dallas. So that's interesting to me. Uh, Where Patrick Mahomes is going to shake out versus Dak in the rushing department. But I think their passing production is going to be pretty equivalent. And the reason why Dak is falling so far in drafts, in this FFWC draft, Dak fell to pick 137. Oh, my God. Right? Hardman went before Dak. That's insane. Pacheco went before Dak. Two of these fringe chiefs we just talked about went before Dak, which was just insane. Because I drafted Lamar Jackson at pick 91, and I was like, wow, eighth round, middle of the eighth round for Lamar Jackson's great value. But compared to Dak Prescott, oh, God, I didn't get good value at all on Lamar Jackson. And look at the, the difference where Mahomes goes. Mahomes went at pick 60. Dak went... More than 60 picks later. Yeah. So that that's the arbitrage play at quarterback in terms of if you look at the the style of play and the passing production versus rushing production ratio that you're getting on a Mahomes, on a Herbert, on a Prescott. Prescott is absolutely the smash in fantasy football. And of the Chiefs players, I can justify drafting like a like a number two receiver that could be the number one. Juju Smith-Schuster yep. was the number two in Pittsburgh, and he's penciled in as the de facto number one. So I like Juju Smith-Schuster in the fifth round. Sky Moore could erupt. Sky Moore could just take the Mecole Hardman spot and be the starting receiver opposite Juju Smith-Schuster. That's a low bar. Yeah. Right? It's a Hardman and Valdez-Scantling, low bar. For Sky Moore. So I like Sky Moore. And then I like Ronald Jones because he's in the double digit rounds. I, I like Pacheco. Not at this ADP, though. The interesting thing about Pacheco, Pacheco's cool because Pacheco is super fast. And if he has any kind of instincts at all, if the whole reason he didn't produce in college is just because the Rutgers offense was the most you know, defunct system in Division One college football, arguably the case, that's how he fell to the late seventh round. You're just betting on the 118.5, 98th percentile speed score. Yeah. And he's not small. The cool thing about Pacheco is he has that highest speed score. It factors in his, his his weight with his 40 time. He's 216 pounds. So if you're trying to chase and find the next Elijah Mitchell, remember Pacheco's 10 pounds heavier yeah. than Mitchell and just as explosive. So he is potentially the next Elijah Mitchell, but Elijah Mitchell was not going in the same round as Dak Prescott (laughs) right last year. So because of all this news of Pacheco running with the ones, because of the brand that that chiefs brand, that Mahomes brand that, you know, he's, he's receiving all this additional shine from 
I think it's it's Juju and it's Ronald Jones, and and these are not sexy picks, but the best values right now in drafts are Juju and Ronald Jones. Matt, I think we should talk about that for a second, just because we see this with Mahomes and we saw this with Rodgers in Green Bay. Just because you are the second wide receiver on either of those teams with a Hall of Fame quarterback that's going to throw the ball a lot does not mean that you are a valuable fantasy football player. We saw this with Nicole Hartman. Then we saw it with MVS while he was in Green Bay. It's easy to get talked into, oh, Sky Moore's playing with Mahomes. He's going to be incredible year one. Guys, the curve's been completely fucking wrecked by Jefferson and Chase. Rookie receivers are not supposed to come in and put up 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns. It just doesn't happen. You've just seen it back-to-back years with generational wide receiver prospects that were talked about as such, that graded out as such. It's not normal, okay? Like Especially for a second-round receiver to break out like that, you're asking a lot. You're asking a lot. I just as soon have Russell Gage. I'd rather have Chris Olave. I'd rather have Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett puts up thousand yard seasons in his sleep right like Tyler Lockett has a hundred catch season on his resume okay Sky Moore has never done a goddamn thing in the NFL you're just drafting the helmet and the quarterback and the offensive right. coordinator and the coach that's right. what got Clyde Edwards Hilaire so overdrafted back in the day Chris yeah. Olave went 10 spots later yeah but Chris Olave was drafted a full round earlier yeah and is a a simply a better receiver so yeah. it it's impossible to justify Sky Moore at pick 73. That's where he went in this FFWC draft. That, make, that is insane. Ten spots ahead of Olave. Lock This it. is not dynasty, people. If we're talking dynasty, it's different. But if you're talking about redraft and you're talking about Sky Moore in round six or seven, what are you talking yourself into? If you want to make that play, again, this is the, the Cowboys and the Chiefs are the perfect arbitrage play. The equivalent to Sky Moore on Dallas is Jalen Tolbert, and he went around later. Yeah. He went around and a half later. Right. So at, at cost, I'm looking at a guy that can be a true alpha in year one. If I'm drafting a rookie, I want Traylon Burks. I want Jalen Tolbert. There's a handful of rookie wide receivers that I'm targeting, but most rookie wide receivers don't find their way into my fantasy team. Guys like Jahan Dotson, guys like George Pickens, they're fun but I prefer established players. I'd much prefer a DJ Shark to one of those rookies because DJ Shark has a thousand yard season, is going to yeah. be on a vastly improved offense, is making big plays. If you're just fixated on the big plays the rookies are making, right, right, th- then you're, you're you're missing the bigger picture. Like Wandale Robinson is making plays, but so is Kadarius Tony. Yeah, look, if you if that if that's what you want to draft for, just keep playing best ball. Just keep drafting underdog because that's what you want to see. But if you're talking about redraft just for this year, drafting Sky Moore in round seven is insane. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah, Wandale Robinson, for example, in this FFWC draft, went ahead of K.J. Osborne. And that doesn't make sense because K.J. Osborne's going into his third year and he's going to be in one of the most prolific pass attacks in the NFL with the Vikings. Yeah. And he has that number three receiver job locked on lock. Okay, Wandale Robinson is in the process of earning that job for the Giants. <laughs> yeah, they're 
there is a distinct value difference what in being What are we talking about? Yeah, this is I some I hate I, I love rookies, man. I, I love rookies. Rookies are so fun. But the allure of the unknown can sometimes cloud the judgment of fantasy gamers, especially in single quarterback managed leagues. Yeah. Right, but even on even in best ball, even on underdog, I have less overall rookie wide receiver exposure than the average drafter. It's just it's just it's just what I have. And you know, and I've noticed that, you know, on platforms like Prediction Strike, this is where you want to invest in the second year players. The second yeah. year players that didn't fully break out, right? right? Like a Kenny Gainwell. I drafted Kenny Gainwell at pick one twenty six, right? Yeah. And he slipped to me, right? Algier went ahead of him. Okay. What is that about? Spiller went ahead of him. How does Spiller and Algier go ahead of Gainwell, right? You're hoping Spiller is this year's Gainwell. Yeah. So why not just get Gainwell? <laughs> right? It doesn't make any sense. Any sense. And, and the beauty is on Prediction Strike, you can actually benefit from these clear breakouts in the making. Because they treat players like stocks, so you can go and you can go ahead and draft Gainwell on Underdog, draft Gainwell on the FFWC, and then go get shares of him on Prediction Strike. Promo code Underworld gets you a free player share when you deposit twenty dollars. There's very few players that you could say are better picks, better shares to hoard. On a, a platform like Prediction Strike, is that's our platform. We love Prediction Strike. Right. And Kenny Gainwell's in the news. Not only is his coach wearing a Kenny Gainwell t-shirt at a press conference. How often do you see that? Very rarely. That was amazing. Yeah, it was I awesome. I mean, that, like, that made my heart flutter. And then it comes out, oh yeah, uh, from John McMullen from Sports Illustrated, that Gainwell is penciled in for the high leverage situations. They trust Gainwell more than Sanders. That is true. That is a true fact. They trusted him more than Sanders in the red zone last year, and he was a rookie. Yeah. And he was a rookie, but we still had our, our expectations tempered. When the guy's been in the league, and he's been through the rigors of the league, and his body has been tested, and he now knows all of the expectations for being a professional, how to manage his body, how to manage his reps, how to manage his workouts— how to manage everything, how to manage his practice time. He now knows how to optimize himself as a true NFL professional. That's the beauty of a year two player. That's yeah. why I want a Rashad Bateman over you know, a Drake London or a Burks. That's why I want a Gainwell over a Rashad White or a Damian Pierce. Give me a guy like Gainwell, baby. Gainwell is also on a better offense than Damian Pierce. Yeah. Right? This this is going to be one hell of a running game. And if he's getting the third down work, the hurry up work, and the red zone work, that's where all the fantasy points are scored. Yeah. And look, like the the people that want to avoid the Eagles backfield because Hertz runs the ball a lot. I get it. But if you're getting Gainwell at the discount that you're getting him at now. Insane. Yeah, say it's it's, it's both in drafts and the, the price on prediction strike is just way too low. Promo code underworld. Go get him. And I think the other thing, too, just while we're touching on underdog stuff, the guy that I'm going to be overexposed on, like you were talking about, Albert O, for me, the guy this year that I'm going to be overexposed on is Jamison Williams. And the reason is 
We know the Lions' defense is terrible. We know the offense has a bunch of pieces that they really like. And once they slot him in there, if he if he has a boom week or two or three towards the end of the year, that's where you can get that value late in a draft to pay off as opposed to, you know... In tournaments, yes. In tournaments, you want Jamison Williams, especially where he's going. Right. Because that's when all the money is made at the end of the year in these best ball tournaments. Right. And that's what... Every kind of different avenue of playing fantasy football has guys that are specifically better for one thing than another. Like Sky Moore is an absolute love him for dynasty, right? If he breaks out and has the career that we think he can have, where he's going is pretty decent value. But if you're drafting him in redraft the way that you would draft him in dynasty, you're insane. That I just drafted him sense. in dynasty. I'm in a I'm in a dynasty rookie draft right now, and I yeah I drafted Sky Moore. At the 109. Right. Yeah. And that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, that's 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 the move. You don't have to love a player in all formats. You can be targeted about where you like certain players right. in certain formats. And I absolutely agree with you. I do also agree with those that say, hey, you can't just dismiss the Chiefs and, and, and smash the under because their defense got better. They got George Karloftis. Right? They invested Loved in Trent McDuffie. Pick. So they invested significant and... And Legereus Need broke out last year. Yep. So you know that I I understand that, uh, but I also know that this is it's it's just very difficult to win eleven plus games when you're going up against other teams that are also projected to win that number of games week in week out. The math just doesn't work, and I think that's why you've seen the payout go up. Yeah. Because it was paying at just minus 130, and now it's down to minus 115. Yeah. So there's been some action on the Chiefs under dragging that down. And so, like, look, so we'll run through the entire schedule real quick just so that people can understand how dire it is from a football perspective. Fantasy, I'm not really worried about, about Kansas City. But, you know, at Arizona, Chargers, at Colts, at Bucks, Raiders, Bills, at Niners, then their bye week. Then they get Tennessee, Jacksonville at home. Then again, at Chargers, Rams at home, at Bengals, at Broncos, at Texans, Seattle at home, Denver at home, at Las Vegas. They've got a couple layups, a couple. Yeah. Right? They've got Jaguars, Texans, and Seahawks, but then every other game is a, a legitimate team. Gauntlet, right? Yeah. But yeah. the way to do it is they're going to have to stop other teams passing games and Legereus need I'm looking at our cornerback rankings right now Cody publishes cornerback rankings on playerprofiler.com check out the player rankings the cornerback rankings are one of our most unique products and Cody does an incredible job Legereus need is top 12 so he is one of if not the most underrated corner in the entire league but then when I look at Denver Patrick Sertan top 10 yeah Cody has him at number six. So this Denver defense is going to be awesome as well. And the Chiefs play the Broncos twice, the Chargers twice, the Raiders twice. Look at the Broncos defense. You're, you're looking at a Bradley Chubb, and they just continuing to invest in the defense in the NFL draft. That you love, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing about Denver that everybody's enamored with the Russell Wilson pickup, as they should be, right? Like, he is one of the best quarterbacks, 
arguably ever, but definitely of this generation. And when you replace Drew Locke, I mean, there's to go from Drew Locke to Russell Wilson is such an upgrade that it's almost funny, right? Like, and, and I get that that's what everybody's going to freak out about, but Bradley Chubb, Randy Gregory. Yeah, I mean, the, the, those are the, the pass rushing in this division. They, you could make the argument that Denver's so crazy. You could make the argument that Denver's edge rushers are the worst in this division, and it's Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory. Like, Doesn't make sense, right? And and, and you've Sertan and Darby, Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson. Like this is another one of those. Well, Kareem su- Jackson's thirty four years old. He sold. Hey. You know, he signed. What did he sign for? Two million dollars. Two million bucks. So I think they're they, just trying that, to that is that a weakness, year. right? They have yeah, some I weak points. The safety is is a weak point. But Simmons certain is world, and but. that in the pass rush will erase uh, a lot some of, of the weaknesses in the secondary. Yeah. And I mean, when you look at Denver's outlook, right, this team is so loaded. Yeah, oh my and I God. love them for fantasy as a defense because they get at Seattle, the revenge game at Seattle. <laughs> so they get to face it's a double revenge game. It's a triple revenge game. It's. A revenge game for Drew Locke. It's a revenge game for Noah Fan. It's a revenge game, of course, for Russell Wilson. So that game's going to be Monday Night Football at Seattle. Week one. I love just drafting the Broncos in these high-stakes leagues, just knowing I'm going to be able to stream them. And then the next week, it's Houston. So yeah. you know that you're going to be able to just pencil in the Broncos defense for at least the first two games of the season, and then you can start streaming defenses. Yeah, you don't know what these defenses are. We, we're pretty sure most of the defenses in the AFC West are going to be good, but uh, Seattle and Houston are just the perfect teams for a defense to face. So I'm targeting the Broncos. I would draft them before the Bills. Like they're the number one defense that I want because yeah. I just want those two games. I'm not looking past the first two games in fantasy when I draft a defense. So that's why if I did defense rankings. <laughs> the Broncos would be number one. They're number one on my list. First two weeks are super juicy. And I think that the, the talk about their defense, their defense was great. And obviously stealing Averro from my Rams. I'm a little sad about that. But he deserved the upgrade. He deserves to be a D coordinator. He's going to be really, really great, I think, long term. But it's time we get to talk about the fun part. and The offense. The offense is the fun part. Yeah, the offense. Well, let's, let's talk about the offensive line. The offensive line, good. Yeah. Solid, right? Solid. And there's a particular player that I think that you think is going to make a move and, and, and win the guard, one of the guard jobs, right? Yeah, I think Quinn Miners is going to eventually win one of the guard jobs. Cody agrees. Cody loves this guy from UW-Whitewater. Oh, yeah. Just a dog. Tore up Just the senior Just a dirty ball. dog. A dirty dog. Yeah. And I mean, he was the guy. God, I can't remember the story exactly, but there was like and some Glasgow. Smoothie. Him in Glasgow, another dirty dog. Yeah. And uh, Garrett Bowles has has grown into the left tackle job. Yep. So they have that that like one weakness, right? Right tackle. That's about it. Yeah. And it's a it's a it's a much better offensive line than Las Vegas, for oh, example. Yeah. So yeah, this yeah. not quite what the Chargers have, but no. <laughs> uh, it just goes with the theme that everything about. The AFC West is premium. The backfield we've discussed on a loop. We're not going to get into it too much, but basically it's probably going to be a 55-45 split. I think those wishing for a 70-30 split just because 
that's fantasy wanting. They just want it to happen. So please make it happen, Denver. That's not how it works. No. No matter how much they're paying Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon's going to get at least 40% of the touches. That's just what's going to happen. That's why in this FFWC draft, I drafted Melvin Gordon once again and could not justify the Javante Williams ADP, though Javante Williams, in the event of a Melvin Gordon injury, has top three upside given he's in this offense with this offensive line, with this quarterback, and he's one of the great tackle breakers we've seen he's near the top of the league in evaded tackles broken tackles uh, juke rate on playerprofiler.com top 10 so that's the backfield it's actually pretty straightforward i think we've covered it much less straightforward is what happens post tim patrick injury i'm looking at bet mgm they they posted a tweet at bet mgm that Cortland sutton odds he's projected in the prop market for 11 fewer receptions than Jerry Judy, for 20 fewer receiving yards, and one whole less touchdown. And then I look at the fantasy market, whether it's underdog, prediction strike, FFWC, and it's reversed. That the fantasy gamers, those buying stock in players, prefer Sutton. So is this one of those situations where the fantasy gamers actually have more information and are more heavily researched in the topic, and then you can actually play some prop arbitrage and go Sutton here? Yeah. I mean, I think Sutton's going to ultimately be the one, Judy will be the two. But it's ki- it could be one of those situations like we talked about with Higgins and Chase where, you know, they could both be ones by the end of the year, and it's just a matter of who had better matchups week by week, which one finishes ahead of the other. I think both are ultimately going to be super productive. I'm... I'm fine with either one at their ADP right now. Sutton obviously has the alpha smash breakout appeal that we also love in Rashad Bateman. Um, but Judy is the route separator, man. He's He just gets open. And I mean, by any metric where a wide receiver separates, Jerry Judy is among the best in the NFL. Target separation on playerprofiler.com. He's number one. Yeah. No, no one would argue that. But I would also remember or plead you to recall that Cooper Cup needed an extra year of recovery time to get to where he is now right? from that ACL tear. Right. That when you suffer a midseason ACL tear, Robert Woods is not going to be back to 100% probably until the next year. He's going to be out there. He's going to be playing. Yeah. But he's not going to be playing at the full capacity Maybe you get like 80, 85% of so Robert Woods this year. Whenever you try to throw the the splits, and Jerry Judy was more productive when they were both on the field together last year, that is true. But Cortland Sutton was not fully himself, just like Cooper Cup was not fully himself in 2020. Right. So let's see what Cortland Sutton looks like with DK Metcalf's quarterback. And yeah. now more than a full year removed from the ACL rehabilitation. I think it's game on for Cortland Sutton. That's where the upside is in fantasy. I think that the overs are a smash here. He's going to go over a thousand yards, especially the easiest over here is the 5.5 receiving touchdowns. So I would go under Jerry Judy, 73.5 receptions. I think that's high. And then I would go over on the Sutton touchdowns. So that's a little arbitrage play in the prop market between those guys. 
and then I would just take all the all, all the Albert Akui Boonham. Yeah, uh, on <laughs> Prediction Strike promo code Underworld, and, and, and if you can find any props on him anywhere in any sports book, I would smash those. Um, final final team, final team. Oh, my favorite. We've saved the best for last. The Chargers. The Chargers on Caesars Sportsbook promo code Podfather fifteen. Ten wins. And to take the over on 10 wins, they're going to go over 10 wins, guys. They're going to go over 10 wins, people. Folks, they're going over 10 wins. This is, as we have discussed, along with Cincinnati, the best odds team to pick to represent the AFC. Now, the again, you're, you're paying, like it's minus 130 to take the, the regular season wins over. And because it's the AFC West, the schedule is challenging. But they are going to make the playoffs, yep. right? And then once they're in the playoffs, they're plus 1,500 to win the Super Bowl. I like those odds, just like you like the odds on the Bengals, plus 2,200 on Caesars. I like the odds on the Chargers. The Chargers are a better team. The Chargers are the best team. Yes. If there's one team that's going to go up against the Bills, unit for unit, it's the Los Angeles Chargers. Look, we loved this team last year, right? And then this offseason, they decided... To buy in on Gerald Everett, bring in Sebastian Joseph Day, trade for Khalil Mack, and bring in J.C. Jackson. So now you look at this. This was team. already a good defense. This was already a playmaking defense with Derwin James and Asante Samuel and Joey Bosa. They already had what you want, which is pass rushing and the ability to smother opposing receivers. They've just added strength on strength in every way. Same thing with the offensive line with Zion Johnson at right guard. Oh, my God. Yeah. Hey, Matt, do me a favor. Pull up his most comparable on player profiler. Zion Johnson's best comparable player is Creed Humphrey. <laughs> also in the AFC West. And they got him at 117. They didn't even have to move. They did it again. It was Rashawn Slater the year before that. Rashawn Slater was last year's Tristan Wirfs. Zion Johnson was this year's Rashawn Slater. 90th percentile burst, 94th percentile agility, incredibly strong, 32 bench reps of 225. Yeah. The guy's a monster. And this is what you have to do. You have to take a step back and be like, okay, what are we doing? We're going Jahan Dotson over Zion Johnson just because we feel like we like our guards, right? What are you doing? You can't do that. When you have a talent like Zion Johnson fall to you in the mid-first round, you have to just push the button. Fuck need. And this is what happens. This is how Tampa and the Chargers get the Slaters and the Wurfs and the Johnsons and the bad teams, the Washingtons and the Raiders, are stuck with the, you know, Dotsons and the Rugs and guys. It's just, it's... Every year. It's every year, every year we express this frustration with NFL decision-making where they just miss the forest for the trees. We need a receiver opposite McLaurin. We got to find him. We got to get him. We like this guy. The scouts like this guy. We're going to get him. Wait, 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 wait. Ho, 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 ho. Just look at the big board for a second. Zion Johnson's at a totally different big board tier than a guy like Jahan Dotson. You can't do that. No. And bad teams consistently do that. And it's how the Chargers have assembled 
this, just simply. This is just the run-through of what their roster looks like. They have a top-five quarterback in Justin Herbert. We know what Austin Eckler is. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Well, that's Gerald a consolidated target distribution. That's very similar to what we have in Las Vegas, where you, you have, okay, Waller, Adams, Renfro. Yep. That's why I'm in on all those options. And um, even more in on those Chargers options, because you know it's Eckler, Williams, Allen. Allen, yep. Williams, Eckler, Allen, Eckler, Williams. And yep. in the third round of that FFWC draft, uh, yes, I drafted Mike Williams. Yeah. Because that's what I do. Look. Every as a pass catcher, we've seen that we've seen the upside there. Then you have the line of Lindsley, Filer, Slater's, Storm Norton, Zion Johnson. Like, and you would say that that is really, 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 really good. That's a top five offense in the league potentially. But then you get to the defense. Holy mother of God! Sebastian Joseph Day, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Drew Tranquil, Kenneth Murray, Kyle Van Noy. J.C. Jackson, Asante Samuel Jr., Derwin James, Nasir Adderley. Top to bottom, this is the best team in the NFL. Yeah, they, 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 I mean, Van Noy, a rotational edge rusher. I mean, it's just <laughs> going to be waves upon waves of pass rush that they're going to bring. And, I mean, I don't want the Podfather jinx to surface here. And I will knock on wood. Okay, I'm knocking on wood. Hey, I'm knocking. Hear that, universe? <laughs> Beings of the universe, you hear that? The knocking of the wood, okay? It's been a quiet training camp so far for the Chargers in the best possible way. We have yeah. not heard about all the freak injuries like we hear from their training camps the last few years. Yeah. They may have turned a corner somehow with their anatomy and physiology experts and, and their physical training. We'll see. We'll see, but they... if they've turned a corner and found a way to keep their players healthy, because this has been one of the most talented rosters the last few years, and now they're peaking. They're peaking. Like, this is the year. This is the year they could could go get all these free agents one more time, still having Justin Herbert on the rookie contract. This is the year. This is the year. This is the auto This is the year. Chargers-Bills AFC Championship game. I'm I'm in. I'm in. I think that's what it's going to be. And a big part of that is Brandon Staley, defensive guys, willingness to be ultra-aggressive. We've covered this before. The Chargers go for it on fourth down more than almost anybody. And when you have a roster this talented and a coach that was a former defensive coordinator that's coordinated some of the best defenses we've seen in the league in recent years, what you start to see is a team where the offense helps the defense by scoring the points they should score. They're not leaving sevens on the board. They're taking all seven when they can get them. And yes, it costs them three sometimes. But doing the math over and over and over again, long term, the Chargers will win that battle more than they lose because their players are just better than yours. And when you project a team like like the Chargers long term, what do, where are the holes? Right? Like They don't have any. They don't have any. And by the way, the one hole they have in fantasy, do you know the one hole they have in fantasy? Dustin Hopkins. Yeah. Dustin Hopkins is undraftable. Like, if anyone is drafting Dustin Hopkins, they're doing it wrong. The Chargers go for it on fourth down at one of the highest rates in the NFL. Like, other than the Lions, who went for it at, like, a comically high, like, 41% of the time (laughs) because they're just like, hey, YOLO, we're losing anyway. And Dan Campbell just 
was getting praised for this. This was one of the great revolutions we've seen in the NFL is with play calling and the new sensibility around going forward on fourth down that it's finally viewed by mainstream sports media, NFL media, as a brave thing to do, as the courageous thing to do, as the Dan Campbell thing to do. Right. Right. That's evidence that you believe in your team, that you have guts. It's not something that is just a sucker move that tees up a coach for second guessing. It's you're seeing much less of that with going for it on fourth down. And the Chargers went for it on fourth down 34 times last year. Okay, And they converted more fourth downs last year than any other team in the NFL. So they punt less. They kick fewer field goals. And if they're in the red zone and they're close to the goal line, they are always going for it. That is part of the reason why I've been so bullish and we are so bullish on Mike Williams. You're not, you look at our rankings, on our player rankings, the draft kit, the cheat sheets. You're not going to find anyone higher on Mike Williams than right. Dario Ofstein and the people at Player Profiler. And I have more exposure to him in high stakes especially than any other wide receiver. And it's to the point where we talked about this earlier where I have to actively not draft him on underdog because I, I don't want to be too heavily exposed. It's one thing with a Chark who's going in the double-digit rounds. I can't be too heavily exposed to a third-round pick because if he goes down early with some freak injury in week three, that would just be disproportionately devastating. I can't let that happen. Fortunately, there's plenty of options. There's Cortland Sutton. There's DJ Moore. There's Terry McLaurin. Right. So there's there's plenty of options we love. Uh, but, you know, all else equal, all right. the answer to who do I draft in the third round at wide receiver in fantasy football is absolutely Mike Williams. Yeah. And look, there's a lot of similarities between how we view a Chase and a Higgins to how we're going to view a Keenan Allen and a Mike Williams, right? Like either one of them are capable of being the number one wide receiver overall any given week. It's not far-fetched or, you know, one-off, whatever. That's right. Yeah, Mike Williams has 40-point weekly upside. Yeah. He could score three touchdowns. He could put up 150 yards and three touchdowns in any given week. Yes. Justin Herbert is willing to let it fly. Yeah, Justin Herbert is one of the most accurate deep ball passers. Mike Williams runs – he has a complete route inventory that he brings to the table now because he was just a clasher on the outside, and then they started to just – open up his route tree, start running him more underneath. Now defenses have no idea what route he's running. Right. And I think that the really interesting part about now that we've kind of wrapped up the AFC is look at how many good young quarterback receiver trios we have in the AFC. They're all going to be so, so, so good going forward. And I think it's important to highlight that, that part about, um, about JC Jackson, Asante Samuel Jr., when you have two corners that can play on an island like those two can, and a rover in Derwin James that goes sideline to sideline about as well as anybody, Brandon Staley is going to do whatever he wants on the defensive side. They're just going to suffocate people. And then on the offensive side, they're scoring touchdown after touchdown, absolving themselves of any field goal attempts. I mean, if you if you love analytics, if you love like, like the evolutions of sport— the Chargers are the team that we've been waiting for 
for a really, really long time. And we know that the Lions do it, but the Lions aren't good enough to win the Super Bowl this year. And I think the Chargers are. Cardinals, Chargers, at Colts, Bucks, Raiders, Bills, at Niners, Titans, Jags, at Chargers, Rams, Bengals, at Broncos, at Texans, Seahawks, Broncos, at Raiders. Yeah. Holy shit. It's a really tough schedule. I mean, they got they got the AFC South in there, and they got the Seahawks. There is a conceivable but... start for them where they start 0-4. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tough, tough, because it's at Arizona. At Arizona, Chargers at home, at Colts, at What is at Arizona going to be? Is that going to be what? Is that going to be like Kansas City minus two and a half or something? I would guess that they go probably, yeah, minus one and a half, minus two and a half, somewhere in there. Because they're not going to give them a full field goal at Arizona. I don't think, at least. I doubt it, right? And then so you play it out at the Colts, too. So they've got three road games for to start then, out of the first four. Then the they've Bucks. got the Raiders, then the Bills. Then and they're then at, at San Niners. Francisco. Yeah. This is so brutal. This is such this a This is one of the schedule. worst schedules I've ever seen. To start the season, it's it's pretty it's pretty wild. Oh my God. Like your your quote unquote relief game is the Raiders in week five. Then you get Buffalo at San Fran, a bye week, the Titans. <sighs> Holy cow, man. Their easiest spot in their schedule is 15-16 at Houston and then Seattle. Yeah, this is one of the worst schedules I've ever seen. I think the interesting part, too, about the way that that, um, that they go about doing things is like they're completely committed to it, which I kind of love. Yeah, third to last in the league with Seattle and Cleveland and Houston and the Jets and the Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars. That's who That's the company they keep. In terms Which is of good. field goals per game, 1.6 field goal attempts per game. Tranquil, you like him? Yeah, he's just like more of like a fill-in linebacker, but like for what they're paying him, it's really solid value. Kyle Van Noy? Yeah. As a rotational edge rusher? Oh, my God. Yeah. And then you got the corners. J.C. Jackson, we know what he is. ASJ takes that next step. Derwin James and Asir Adderley is probably one of the best safety duos in the league. Oh my God! Yeah, this team is so good. Yeah, it's this is this is a crazy team. Corey Lindsley, he was like the the number one center in the league two years ago. Yeah, I don't know if he's still there. They got Zion Johnson in the draft. Storm Norton and Slater. <laughs> yeah, Slater's incredible. Uh, this this is an all star team. This is insane. They they actually remind me of last year's Rams a lot. Um, absolutely. So Zion Johnson. Freak athlete. Yeah, he was supposed to go earlier. Yeah. They got him at 117. They didn't even have to move. Yeah, he's got... Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't Creed Humphrey good on the Kansas oh, City? Oh, Creed Humphrey's incredible. He's best comparable to Creed Humphrey. Yeah. Creed Humphrey just had arguably the best rookie season a center's ever had. 
Patrick Mahomes is so happy with his new receiving core. Stop lying. Right? You're hoping Spiller is this year's Gainwell. So why not just get Gainwell? <laughs> you could make the argument that Denver's edge rushers are the worst in this division, and it's Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory. <laughs> just a dog. Just a dirty dog. A dirty dog. Damn, knocking. Hear that, universe? <laughs> Beings of the universe? You hear that? The knocking of the wood? Okay? Yeah. Smash.